page 1553, starting at verse 16, Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Thanks, Cameron. Uh, please keep your Bibles open to uh, page 1553 uh, as we look at Matthew 28. Uh, but I want to be up front. Uh, tonight's talk is actually quite different to what we normally do on a Sunday night. Uh, normally we go and work through a part of the Bible and we'll continue to do that uh, next week as we look at Acts chapter 2. And we will look at, as I said, a little bit of the Bible tonight, but most of the time we'll spend is actually talking about our vision for the next three to five years. Now just to get you up to speed uh, where, 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 where how we got to tonight, it started last year at our church family camp where some work was done as a, as a part of a church family to work out our core values. We then had a church family camp this year in April where we introduced the vision war. And that's where we had everyone in our church family make contributions regarding their aspirations for what our vision may look like. Uh, the pastoral team and the elders then used the feedback that we got from the vision war to produce a draft of our vision that you've got in your hands now. Now this draft was actually reviewed by our ministry leaders uh, two Wednesdays ago and the pamphlet you have now is actually, has actually incorporated their feedback. But can I say, this pamphlet, this vision, isn't finished yet. As the elders want to hear from you about the vision for our church family. So this is still draft. As we look to finalise our vision together as a church family. And later on I'll tell you how we do that. And so it's fitting tonight that as we, we, we actually spend some time reflecting on the vision that God has for us as a church family. And Matthew 28 will have some things to say to us tonight. So tonight I am going to exegete this as well as exegete this. But before we do that, we please join me as I pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here tonight and for giving us your word. We pray as we consider your word, as we consider our plans before you, we pray that your spirit may work amongst us. And we pray that you'll be directing us to be the church you want us to be and to do what you want us to do. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to cover four points tonight. Firstly, why we need a vision. Secondly, our key themes of our vision. And apologies that I got them all mucked up in your bulletins. Uh, thirdly, I want to give you a brief update 
of some of the good things that have happened in our church family uh, this year so far. And then finally, I'm going to talk about our next steps as a church family. So firstly, why do we need a church vision? I know a number of you have worked in organizations, companies, where the buzzword has been vision. And consultants are paid hundreds and thousands of dollars to help work out what the organization's vision is, and it ends up being a big waste of time and money. Yet, when it's done well, having a clearly articulated vision can be a powerful tool to clarify what you're doing and help rallying people to a common goal. Because, as the saying goes, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. Uh, the vision I'm going to be talking about tonight uh, it isn't the vision where it's the vision from the Lord. You know where they say, oh, the word of the Lord came to me when I was at Kmart. We're not talking about that type of vision. No, the vision we're talking about is actually it's just a fancy way of saying, where are we going and what we hope the future will look like. Now, we don't know the future, only God does. But by having a clearly articulated vision, actually provides a focus for us to work towards. Uh, in 1906, uh, at, Bondi, at Bondi Beach, uh, a crowd of people went, were swept to sea and some of them drowned. And there was nobody who could do the slightest thing to save them. And so people said, hey, we can't let something like that happen again. We need to do something to save lives. So a group of men got together and they formed a society, a society with a very clear purpose. They wanted to save lives that were at risk of drowning in the surf. And so with that, the world's first surf life-saving club was born at Bondi Beach. Uh, but after a while, uh, these young boys, they found that they really enjoyed each other's company and they enjoyed it so much that they decided that they would run some social events on Friday and Saturday nights. It was good for fundraising, it was great fun, a few drinks. The trouble was that it wasn't too long before they were enjoying themselves so much on the Friday and Saturday night that they couldn't drag themselves out of bed on Saturday and Sunday mornings to get to the beach and to patrol it. They didn't have time for training. And so in the end, they weren't able to save lives. One year later, in 1907, a breakaway group was formed. They moved south of the beach and they formed what is now called the Bondi Surf Bathers Life Saving Club. And these guys, they drew up a vision document that had seven objectives and in each objective they put the words, we are here to save lives in the surf. You see, they were determined not to get sidetracked from their main purpose. Because getting sidetracked is so easy to do. And the thing for us is, well, God has given us a purpose. He has given us a vision of what we're going to be 
and what we're to do. And it's important that we don't get sidetracked. And that's why a Sunday like tonight is actually important. And in Matthew 28, we see God's vision. Uh, So let me take a couple of minutes to walk us through that. Now, the context of this section of, the, uh, of Matthew's Gospel that we're looking at, it's, it's the last paragraph of Matthew's Gospel, which means everything previous in Matthew's Gospel has been leading to this point. Jesus has died, he's now been raised to life again, and before he ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples his vision in verse 19 and 20. Uh, please have a look at verse 19 and 20 with me. It says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, the thing we need to understand with Jesus' words here is that in the original language, there's actually only one word that's actually a command. There's only one word in these verses that's in the imperative tense. And that's the word that's translated, make disciples. And all the other verbs in these verses, like go, baptize, teach, uh, in the original language, they aren't commands. They're just normal verbs that describe the command. So the verse could actually be translated like this. As you're going, make disciples. As you're baptizing, make disciples. As you're teaching, make disciples. You see, the emphasis, the the pinnacle of these verses is on discipleship. Now, what is discipleship? Often discipleship is actually misunderstood. Uh, Some people think being a disciple is like being a student or a mentoree where it's all about learning a bunch of things. Uh, But the word discipleship here in the Bible, it's so much more than that because it encompasses all of life. It's not just the head. So the word disciple is actually similar to the word that we have in our everyday English language, the word apprentice. Because as an apprentice, you're not just learning the theory, But you're applying what you learned. You're practicing it. You're living it out. And being an apprentice means following. Following the trainer. Following him closely. And becoming like them. So one way to define what a disciple of Jesus is, is three things. It's actually being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what he says. You see, being a disciple starts with having a relationship with Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. That's the being with Jesus part. Then as you continue your relationship with Jesus, you become like Jesus as he shapes your attitudes, your character, your motivations. And then as a result of that, well, being a disciple of Jesus is obeying his commandments, which is what the last part of of verse 19 is talking about. You see, once Jesus changes you on the inside, it will show on the outside as Jesus changes our behavior and our actions. 
so in a nutshell, Matthew 28 verses 19 to 20 is our mission statement. It was actually the, this is actually the mission statement for all churches who are Bible-centered and gospel-driven. That our mission as God's people is to make disciples, which at its core is saving lives. Not from drowning in the surf, but something far more dangerous. Their sin. And save them to eternal life. And our mission statement on the second page of the vision document is an attempt to capture that. And like with the Bondi Bathers Surf Life Saving Club, our vision can help us make sure we don't get diverted, that we don't drift away from the main game of making disciples. Now that's my first point. And can I say up front... Please don't worry, my next three points aren't nearly as long. Uh, But let me take a few minutes to walk you through one of the main themes of our proposed vision here, as well as some other things in the document. And the first thing I want to actually comment on is the, the flow of each section of the document, where each section has that flow of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing what he says. So the mission statement starts with who we are in Christ, then goes on how to God working us on the inside, and how that works itself out. And then our core values, it starts off with the Bible and prayer, which are key drivers in growing us in our relationship, which then will result in us being a community of his people, which then will result in us growing and changing to be more like Jesus, which then will result in us reaching, reaching out as we grow God's kingdom. And then if you look at the actual vision part, the actual strategic uh, part of our document, that box on uh, page three, you can see that flow again. Again, it starts with connecting more deeply with God, then that flow connecting more deeply with others, and then connecting with the wider community as we seek to grow God's kingdom. So you see, everything here, it actually starts with personal renewal, which then will lead to wider kingdom renewal. Uh, The other main thing about our vision is that it's both at a big picture level, as well as detailed with suggested steps to implement. Uh, It may have been your experience at work or a previous church where people talk up a great vision, but then nothing comes about from it because there's no action plan. So this document, together with that four-page appendix that got emailed you during the week, this is our way to make sure we have a vision that helps us know where we're going and a plan of how to get there. I want to talk about that last bit on there, on the page for the vision goals. Uh, now, the other reason for having a vision is, a, is that we can actually use it as a criteria to evaluate how we're going as a church family. And you can see on the back page, page four of the vision document, that the elders and the ministry leaders have proposed three metrics for us to use to evaluate our, how we're doing vision from time to time. Now, can I say, 
you can't measure everything. And the other thing is, everything we do is ultimately in God's hands, not ours. But these metrics are things for us to tangibly aim for. Not for us to use to beat ourselves up if we miss the mark. As I said before, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. But at the same time, we we leave everything in God's hands and see what fruit comes about through our service to him. Now, I'd just like to just take a minute or so just to talk about the last bullet point, the last vision goal on our document, where it says we're aiming to grow each of our congregations to 100 to 120 people, including kids, and the idea of growing a third congregation beyond 2025. Uh, Two things. Firstly, it's the elders' view that our vision isn't to grow a a mega church, to combine our two congregations so that we have a really, really big congregation because it actually... Oh, let me show you why. Well, firstly, we're not going to have that type of vision because... Well, firstly, this church building that that God's given us, it's heritage listed, which means we're not allowed to knock it down in order to build a bigger one. So the shape, the the contours of this uh, building is what we're stuck with. But that's actually a good thing because of the second reason, which is because of our core value of community. Well, having a, a huge congregation where you can't possibly know everyone well, well, that isn't who we are as a church family. You see, for us here at Abbotsford Presbyterian, relationships are vitally important. And capping the number of the congregation to the confines of this building actually ensures that we are of a size where we can still exercise this core value, where we can still have intimate and deep relationships with each other. You know, the other thing is, uh, if you grew up in Australia, uh, the number of people that you can actually comfortably know, uh, a group of people, is actually around 100 to 120 ask you, think about your year 12 cohort or your year at school. That's my year at school and I'm not going to tell you which one I am because I had a bad hair day that day. But can I say for most of you, the number of students in your year was maybe around that number, 100 to 120. And if you were actually part of a larger group, larger than 120, I bet you found it hard to get to know everyone well in your year. So you see, the the number 100 to 120 is actually deliberately configured. Uh, We now come to our third point, which is a brief snapshot of how this year has gone. And can I just say, let me just say, it's been very exciting and encouraging, uh, an encouraging year for our church family. And can I say, it's not just because I'm here and Eddie's here and the two girls. I, I know that's a factor, but can I say by no means is it the big factor? And let me show you why. Because one thing is, God has brought about a significant momentum this year into our church family that's much bigger than just myself and my family. And there's so many things for me to talk about, but given time, I'm only going to talk about two things. 
Firstly, the size of our church family. Now, what I'm about to show you is an updated version of what I did at the family camp back in April. Uh, so let me give you a bit of history first. Uh, this, can I say, these two sets of columns. This is morning and evening church uh, for the two years prior to this year. So 2017, 2018. And can I say, these numbers are inclusive of kids. Can I, say, can I, tell you what, can I show you what's happened this year? Whether you've been to morning or both evening or morning church, I'm sure you've noticed we've got a little bit bigger. How much bigger? Let me show you the stats. Since starting, you can see that both congregations have grown from even, we're actually bigger than what we were two years ago before the vacancy. And for those who love details, uh, Morning Church has actually grown 14% since 2017. And Evening Church has grown 27% since 2017. So overall, our church family has grown by 23%. And that's actually using the 2017 figure as comparison, not the vacancy year, if not the percentage would be so much bigger. Now, where's this growth come from? I hear you ask. Now, I know most of you are aware that we have had some people from Des Moines Presbyterian Church come join us this year. But I need to underline the fact that the what I call the XDPCs only account for less than half of our overall growth. Now, as you can see, the XDPC is the one, the segment in the blue, is only just around about one third of the newcomers we've seen this year. And the other thing to notice is that red uh, section there, you can see that a third of our newcomers this year actually have come from our postcode of 2046. Which that in itself actually is quite a change from the dynamic that we've had here in previous years. And can I say, I think that's exciting to see that we're slowly making a gospel impact in our local community here. Now imagine this. If, if for argument's sake, our church family continued to grow as, a, as approximately, say, 20%, so not 23%, 20% on average a year for the next five years, well, the calculation would go that we would reach our vision goal of 240 people in the span of five years. Now, all, can I say again, all of this is in God's hands, but I hope you can see it's not impossible. It's actually a very plausible reality. The other thing I want to show you is our current financial situation as of, September, as of last month. But first, a bit of history. Before 2019, our financial giving was... 119,000 for 2017, and then during the vacancy of 2018, it dipped down a little bit to 113. Now, back in March at our annual congregational meeting, we were staring at the prospect of a $50,000 deficit uh, due to the PLC uh, school at Croydon pulling out of a, a proposed lease to use one of our halls as a preschool. However, we as a church family made the decision to raise the budgeted figure for financial giving by 40000 
And can I say, to date, uh, we're extremely thankful to God that through your generosity, well, God has provided abundantly. And so far, we're actually tracking, I can say, 20% above that already revised budget figure. And as you can see from the graph, that third column, uh, we've actually uh, exceeded the amount of giving from last year already, and we've got three more months to go. And so we're actually on track to actually hit almost $180,000 of financial giving, which is a great answer to prayer. So can I encourage you to join me in thanking God of how he's grown our church family? And can I say the elders in the community of management have, are thankful for all of you who've considered your own giving and reviewed your giving, given our ministry needs. One last breath. Our bottom line for the past two years before this year have been deficits. So in 2017, we had a deficit of $42,000. And last year, we had a deficit of $8,000. But can I say, through God's provision, uh, this year, we're poised to break even this year as we are looking to cover and to meet our ministry costs, which will be the first time in quite a few years here in our church family. So can I say overall, what, church is, what God is doing amongst us in this year alone is quite extraordinary. He's showing that he can bring about great change already, not to mention providing what we need to implement God's vision for us. Can I say, because at the end of the day, it's not about numbers. It's not about money. Because at the end of the day, it's about the things of God's mission. And it's these things that actually help us implement that mission. And if I can remind, this is what our mission statement is. Because at the end of the day, all these things help this. For us to be a growing, Christ-centered community, dedicating our lives to loving God and others, and following the way of Jesus to reach the inner west and beyond for the glory of God. Let me wrap up some things now uh, with my final point. Where to from here? As I said, this vision is still draft, and the elders want to hear from you regarding your thoughts, your suggestions, your feedback. And the big way we're going to do this is that we're actually going to hold our vision forum in three Sundays' time, the 17th of November, 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., and includes lunch. And it's an opportunity to voice your thoughts and hear what other people are thinking about our vision. But also, between now and the vision forum, uh, the elders are happy to hear your thoughts via the comment card or via email. So please use any one of these mechanisms. We want to hear from you. Now, after the forum, the elders will meet again, and like last time, with the ministry leaders, they'll go through all the feedback and suggestions, and we'll look to finalize our vision on Sunday the 15th of December, which is the first Sunday of Summer Church. But after that, there's an important phase called the engagement management phase. You see, once we've actually finalized the vision, 
the staff and elders will start putting next to each of the items of the vision, uh, costings, timings, and people to implement those parts of the vision. And so that's going to consist of lots of conversations as we look to find the right people to spearhead certain sections of the vision. And I reckon this whole phase here will take at least a minimum of six months. Now, some things will be actioned before then, and there may be some things that are deemed unrealistic as we do the timings and costings and may need to be dropped out from the vision for now. But the next level of detail for most of these items will take a little bit of time. Can I say, it's this phase that most churches and organisations in general forget to do. And that's why some vision statements like this could just stay on the shelf, gathering dust, doing nothing useful. The last thing I want to say tonight, and I actually want to finish on verse 20 of our passage. Because Jesus actually reminds his disciples back then, and he's reminding us now that we're not alone in carrying out this vision. If you still have your Bibles open, please look at the second half of verse 20. It says this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, Jesus' promise to us is that he'll be alongside each one of us every step that we take in fulfilling his vision. And we saw last week in Acts 1, it was through the Holy Spirit that will enable us and empower us to do his work. So we're not chucked in the deep end and just given a floaty to hang on to. No. No. Jesus is with us. He's holding our hand all the way to the end until the mission is finished. And if that's the case, well, we can't go wrong. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you have enabled the Lord Jesus not only to die for us, but to raise him to life again. And that he has brought us into a saving relationship with you. And we thank you that you include us as part of your plans for renewing your world here. We thank you for your amazing provision and faithfulness that we've seen in our church family this year. And so we thank you for the tangible and the intangible growth that we see in our church family. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll equip us and empower us by your Holy Spirit to not only just grow in our relationship with you, but for us to be transformed to be more like Jesus and to be able to serve you as we reach the inner west and beyond for your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.